Welcome to the Elevate Orthodontics Podcast with Dr. Lance Miller. Each week, we bring you interviews with the top minds in the orthodontic profession in order to heighten your expertise, boost your motivation, and raise your skills. Join us as we help doctors take their practices and their lives to the next level. And now, here's your host, Dr. Lance Miller. Hello, and welcome to Episode 7 of the Elevate Orthodontics Podcast. I'm really glad that you're here. I've got a wonderful episode lined up for you. Dr. Greg Jorgensen is our guest today, and we're going to have a discussion about internet marketing. We're going to talk a little bit about social media, and we're going to talk about Dr. Jorgensen's recent editorial in the AJO regarding ABO certification here in the United States. It seems like today that there are a lot of orthodontists who are frustrated or complaining about the current competitive situation, about some of the forces affecting our specialty. And one thing I really admire about Dr. Jorgensen is his willingness to put forward a positive proposal, to be willing to listen to the different parties, to be willing to compromise, but really to offer something positive and proactive for us to discuss. And so I would encourage you to listen all the way through the episode, uh, especially for that portion, which I find really interesting and fascinating. We'll include a link to Dr. Jorgensen's article on our website if you want to check that out. And I would encourage you, if you've got any comments about that, go ahead and post those in our orthodontic Facebook page. Interestingly enough, the ABO this week has launched a survey regarding ABO certification. And so it really seems like there's a lot of discussion on this topic and this podcast uh, turns out to be very timely. I'd encourage you to go online and take the survey. You can go to www.surveymonkey.com slash r slash ABO certification. It's a good chance for you to contribute your opinions to the discussion. Today, we've got a question from one of our podcast listeners on how to value an orthodontic practice, and then we'll jump right into the interview. Let's do it. All right. So today, I want to answer a question I received from a listener. The question is, how do I incorporate the value of my orthodontic practice into my net worth statement? And I'm going to answer this question in two different ways. One's maybe more philosophical, and the other is a little more mathematical. The philosophical answer depends on what you predict for the future value of orthodontic practices. If you're planning on selling in the next few years, it's probably safe to assume that the market will not be dramatically different than it is now. However, if your practice sale date is decades in the future, it's hard to estimate what your practice production will be due to possible competitive pressures and uncertainty regarding fees. Even if your production is constant, practice values may change over time. However, I think it's a mistake to assume that your practice will hold no value, especially as it pertains to your ability to take risk in your investment portfolio. For instance, assume that at some point in the future you sell your practice and you can live off the proceeds for five years. That extends the window for how long your other investments have to grow before you need to access them, and this may change your asset allocation in a significant way. The mathematical approach to practice valuation begins with assigning a value to your practice. One way that's new and exciting in our industry is to look at EBITDA, or earnings before taxes, interest, depreciation, and amortization, and then apply a multiplier. This is a little bit beyond the scope of today's discussion, but the important thing to remember with EBITDA is that the multiplier is applied after the doctor is paid, and it usually makes more sense for multi-location corporate-style practices. The more traditional way of valuing your practice is as a multiplier of production or collection or profit. The multiple can vary depending on a number of different factors, but for this discussion, let's say you can sell your practice for 75% of the average of the last three years' collection. The next step is to pay any capital gains taxes due at the sale. To find out what you owe, look at your balance sheet. The difference between your sale price and the book value of your assets will be your taxable gain. 
If you just purchased your practice, you probably haven't depreciated much. If you've owned your practice for many years, the depreciation and amortization you've enjoyed over the years means you have a larger tax exposure. Long-term capital gains are currently taxed at 20% in the top tax bracket. Finally, you need to subtract any debt you're carrying on the practice. All right, so that was kind of confusing. Let's give an example. Let's say you've got a practice collecting $1.3 million a year. You hope to sell it for a million dollars. You've depreciated the assets to a book value of $500,000, meaning that you owe taxes on the other $500,000, and that's taxed at 20%, so the taxes due is $100,000. Finally, let's say you have $200,000 of debt remaining on your practice loan. So on a practice sale of a million dollars, after subtracting $100,000 for taxes and $200,000 to pay off your debt, the sale of your practice would add $700,000 to your net worth. There's infinite variations on this example, depending on the specifics of your practice and the structure of the sale, but this is a good place to start. That felt like a lot of math for a podcast. Let's talk about it more in our Facebook group, or if you have any other questions, let me know and shoot me an email. Thanks. Dr. Greg Jorgensen is a board-certified orthodontist practicing in Rio Rancho, New Mexico, which is a suburb of Albuquerque. He received his undergraduate degree from BYU, his dental degree from Washington University in St. Louis, and his master's in orthodontics from the University of Iowa. Dr. Jorgensen has served as a president of the Rocky Mountain Society of Orthodontists, is on the AAO's Committee on Technology, is in his sixth term as the president of the New Mexico Association of Orthodontists, and was the general program chair of last year's AAO annual session in Orlando, Florida. Dr. Jorgensen has published numerous articles in the AJODO. He speaks nationally and internationally on website design, internet presence, social media, and reputation management, and has been featured multiple times as a guest lecturer on the Practical Reviews and Orthodontics series. His orthodontic blog has over 50,000 readers each month, and he recently answered his 10,000th question from his blog readers. Dr. Jorgensen and his wife, Cheryl, have three children. His passions include daily workouts in the gym, playing keyboards and synthesizers, scuba diving, and bowling, where he is getting ever closer to bowling a perfect game. He is active in his church, where his current assignment is working with the young people and the scouting program. Dr. Jorgensen, welcome to the Elevate Orthodox Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine, Lance. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Tell me a little bit about uh, scuba diving. Where's uh, the top places I need to go scuba diving? I'm just getting back into it with my wife. Well, I'm kind of in a rut with my family. We love Cozumel, and uh, we try to make it down there once or twice a year. My wife finally, after all these years, got certified. Uh, all three of my children are certified, and my new um, son-in-law is certified. So we just know the area. We know the reef. We know the restaurants. We know the hotels, and uh, we can leave Albuquerque uh, at about 7 in the morning and actually be in the water by 2 in the afternoon. So it's wow. a pretty good gig. Yeah, that's fantastic. My wife just got uh, certified this summer, and so we're going to be going to the Caribbean sometime this year, I hope, to get uh, back in the water. It's a lot of fun. It's a, it's a good thing for our family. It brings us closer together. We like to get out away from the business and away from uh, all of our responsibilities, and uh, it's just it's a good time. It, it, there is some uh, you know physical fitness involved in that, and we've just enjoyed doing it over the last decade or so. Yeah, I'm going to have to go to Cosmo. That sounds fantastic. 
I wanted to divide our conversation today up into uh, kind of a couple different parts. I wanted to talk a little bit about online marketing and then talk about your blog and then definitely can't leave out this article you wrote in the AJO recently. But let's start with online marketing. Tell our audience a little bit about what the Committee on Technology does and what you've been able to accomplish recently at the AAO. Well, actually, um, I finished up my term at the or on the Committee on Technology recently. And um, what I got involved with there was evaluating, learning about, and making recommendations regarding social media, the internet, website design, those kinds of things. Actually, one of my, uh, I guess the feather in my cap there was I was the one that started the uh, technology blog. We were looking for a way to get our information out there and I'd had some success with my own blog, and so uh, working with the staff at the AAO, we got that thing going. But um, the Committee on Technology is trying to tackle all of the things that are that are facing the AAO and its members that have things to do with technology, and that has anything to do with like scanners, uh, CBCT, uh, online reviews, all those kinds of things. And uh, right now, we've got a great committee. Aaron Molin, as you know, is the, uh, he's in, in a lot of our online groups. Yeah. He's the chairman now and, uh, he's got six or seven others that are on that. And a lot of them are actually in, in our Facebook groups, but they're working hard. I think the best part about it for me was it gave me a chance to kind of see behind the curtain at the AAO. There's a lot of good people there that are doing their best that they, that they can do. Most of them are doctors like you and me. There's definitely the need for updating and changing our vision a little bit there. And it's only through people like Aaron, like me, like uh, Matt Larson, like some of the guys that are on there now, that uh, things are going to change. It's only going to happen if those of us who have this new vision uh, or see the need for change get involved. And and that's why I liked it. That's why I got involved. And, and I'll stay involved. There's great people in, in, that are associated with it. Right. I know you just delivered a lecture at the AAO midwinter meeting uh, down in Fort Lauderdale about what's working and what isn't in the world of internet marketing. Let's start with, I'm curious what you think isn't really panning out for orthodontics and marketing that practices. No one wants to waste their time online, right? What's interesting is, is I w- when I was on the Committee on Technology, uh, there was a uh, Moyer Symposium back in 2011, and the they usually talk about things like one year they'll talk about impacted teeth and another year they'll talk about class two correction and they usually focus on something clinical. In 2011, it was a symposium on technology. They wanted to talk about emerging technologies and they invited several of us from the uh, Committee on Technology to make presentations and mine was on social media. And so social media was really kind of just uh, making its way into the orthodontic world. And so I really had an interest in learning what it was about and try to get an idea of how could we use it? What were some of the pros? What were some of the cons? And if you heard me speak in 2011 up at University of Michigan, where this was held, you heard me talking about uh, Facebook, about Twitter, about LinkedIn, uh, um, all of these things that we just thought were going to be uh, everything was going to take place that way. YouTube. If you didn't have a YouTube channel, you weren't going to have new patients. And, uh, you know, Flickr and, and, uh, Tumblr and all these different social media sites were, uh, uh, were going to be the future of marketing. And, um, what happened was over the next five years using my website kind of as the, uh, I'm just watching it kind of as a baseline using Google Analytics. I started 
tracking. Where do people come from? When they're looking for an orthodontist and they check me out, where are they coming from? And one of the things that was interesting was very, very few came from social media. Huh. Every now and then, I would see some that would come from Facebook, some that would come from maybe every now and then Pinterest, and it, there just weren't very many. I never saw any come from LinkedIn or YouTube, never saw any come from Twitter, never saw them come from those. The majority of them that came to my website came to look at my blog. It's not surprising. Yeah. But then the second most common reason that people came is because they actually searched out my name. They were looking for Greg Jorgensen. They were looking for Jorgensen Orthodontics. And then behind that were, were the ads, the uh, Google AdWords that I'd purchased. People clicked on those to get there. And a very distant fourth or fifth were links from social media. So I guess the biggest change for me over the last five or six years is that if you'd asked me five or six years ago, I would have thought by now, you know, a, a huge percentage of my patients would be coming from social media sites, from social media apps, from social media services. And, and what I see now is that your website with good SEO and with features on there that make it popular, that's the most important thing. If your website is older than five years old, you got to update it. If your website is not modern looking, you got to update it. If it's hard to find, if it's not on the first page of the uh, search engine results page, you need to invest in some SEO. You need to invest in a new website. That's important. And then what I think is probably second most important is that you have your, your business needs to show up on the Google My Business, which is the Google business listing whenever yeah. someone searches. Yeah. You got to make sure that your site is impeccable. It's got to have all the right information. You got to fill that thing with good reviews. And you've just got to make sure that when someone does a search for your uh, area code, your zip code, your municipality, your community, even your area of town, you want to make sure that if at least if you don't show up in the first three, you want to make sure that you show up at least in that first page of uh, Google business listings, because that, I think, is the second most important thing. And then a distant third, but but still important, AdWords. And, and those are the ads that you can buy from Google. And uh, I'm, I'm sure, Lance, you've seen how those work. If you go yeah. online and you search for something, let's say that you're looking, looking for a new uh, uh, scuba mask, and you go on and you do a search for scuba masks, man, for the next month, every time you pull up the web, a, a, a website, you pull up a browser, you're seeing pictures of scuba masks and you're seeing ads yep. for, uh, for uh, different dive, uh, you know, wetsuits and things. And that's because people are, are, Google's watching every move you make. And if you send messages, if you send, um, emails that have certain information in them, they have software that reads what you've written and it starts sending you these, uh, ads that it custom tailors for you. So your website, I think is number one. Uh, Google My Business is number two, and I think AdWords comes in three. And I think if you're not found on the first page of the search engine results page, you need to invest in those three things. Those are the that's where I would put my emphasis right now. That's great advice. Do you think there's a place for Facebook in terms of people kind of checking out your culture, or maybe they don't come directly to you from Facebook? You know, for us, the most successful social media strategy is Facebook. My, my social media coordinator tells me we need to be on Instagram, but um, we haven't yet. But do you think Facebook has any place? I think Facebook is number one. I mean, there's no question. And even though there's very few people that will come directly from there, be referred there, I think that that all modern uh, soccer moms and, and a lot, even a lot of their kids 
are checking you out on Facebook. And, and I agree exactly with what you said. They want to see your culture. They want to see how you uh, interact with your patients. They want to see uh, if you're doing fun things in your office. So yes, I think that it's good because it's it gets your name out there. And remember, the number two source of visitors to my site are people that actually searched out my name. They yeah. got it from somewhere. So they either got it from uh, friends, family, maybe referring dentists, uh, or social media. So I think that Facebook definitely is important. I think you got to focus on that. As far as like Instagram, uh, Pinterest, Snapchat, you know what? If you want to have fun with those kinds of things, I just haven't seen much ROI on those. But Facebook, absolutely. There's no question. That's a good one. You need to be posting on there uh, regularly. You need to have interesting content and you need to make sure that you're interacting with your patients through that social media site. It really needs to be exactly what the name is. Social. Yeah. It's not just, Hey, I'm posting something. Everybody look at this. You got to interact with your patients. You got to like the things they're doing and they'll like the stuff you're doing. Yeah. The other thing I found with our Facebook page is that we get a lot of dentists or staff of dental offices that refer to us that that follow and like our page and they are kind of getting a sense of what's happening in our office it makes them a little bit more likely i hope to refer when they see the kind of the culture and climate that we have in our office so that's been i think another thing that perhaps people don't think of as much well i think that that's good too and i know that we definitely have some of our i don't know that many dentists that are following us but i know we've got staff members yeah you know we're we're constantly treating uh, uh, dental assistants, hygienists, and their kids, and we want them to be on online with us. We want to be interacting with them, and 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 again, like I said, I think that one of the most important parts of social media is it's a two way street, and it's not just you know throwing up the stuff that you want everybody to see and ignoring the things that they're doing. So right, right. You mentioned ROI, and this is a question that I've pondered in my mind. I find it interesting that in my practice, at least, and I'm sure this is true for others, the percentage of patients that find us online, I think is much higher than the percentage of my marketing budget that goes to online strategies. And maybe that's just me where I am. Uh, is that unique to me? Or do you think, is it because online strategies are, are cheaper or more efficient? I guess I just haven't really figured that out yet. No, I, I think that online strategies are definitely cheaper. I mean, you look at um, what you would pay for a full page ad in the yellow pages, which by the way, I hope none of your listeners have a full page ad in the <laughs> yellow pages, unless they're also offering dentures. Because I think that people that are buying dentures are still looking in the yellow pages. Yeah, that no probably would work out well. But, but I know guys that were spending $1,500, $1,800 a month on yellow page advertising. I see people they're spending buku bucks on on radio advertising, on TV advertising, on newspaper. And you know, you can get a lot of coverage and a lot of exposure with these online things. Now I will say this, even though um we have put, you know, we've put some an investment towards Facebook and ads AdWords and things like that, there are some other ones that I've tried and and for me at least, they haven't really panned out. I I don't really I haven't found value in buying these premium listings on some of the business sites like Dr. Google right. or some of those, I just think that patients, 90% of the patients, and this is something from Google uh, uh, Analytics that's cool too, 90% of the patients that are searching for us are doing so over Google. And even though you might go on and read that, well, yeah, but what about Yahoo? What about Bing? What about these others? What I have found in, in my area on my website is over 90% every single month are finding me using Google. So I'm going to focus all my money and all my advertising and all my promotions on trying to attract people through Google. I think if I do a good job there, 
the people on Yahoo and Bing and, and, uh, you know, they're going to find us anyway. Yeah. I feel like the online strategies require a little bit of knowledge and skill and time and effort. You can't just throw a ton of money at them. I mean, I wish I could. I wish I could say like, this is an online strategy that seems to be working wonderfully. Let me quadruple my budget there, but I, I can't find a way to spend tons of money online. Well, I think that what you mentioned though is, is important. It's more important to quadruple your time that you spend on there and not your money. Because look at Neil Kravitz. I mean, if you follow him and you see what he does on his, on his Facebook site and with his Facebook interactions, yeah. I mean, Neil in between patients is watching what his friends are doing, commenting. I mean, if he goes down to the office to clip a wire on a Sunday, he'll go in there and say, Hey, I'm going to be at the office between three and four today. Anybody need a wire cl clipped? He is really interacting. Yeah. Does that take time? Yeah, it takes more time. You can't throw money at that. You can't, you can't pay for what Neil's getting from his. Yeah. He has an interesting strategy where he's really doing that more through his personal page. And I actually get him back on the show to talk more about that. That he's a very unique online strategy. I think that he works Facebook better than anybody else because Absolutely. he really is doing it in a social manner and he's not just using it as an online billboard. And I think that's. That's classic. That's just classic Neil. That's the way he runs his life. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your blog. Uh, how did you decide to start it uh, and, and how long has it been going for? Well, back in 2011, um, I got started by doing all this research on social media. And actually, a blog is considered social media because there's interaction between the, the author of the blog, the, you know, the, the blogger, and the people that are reading the blog. And there can also be interaction between the readers, between individual readers. Um, so I thought, well, if this is what social media is, I'm going to start it. I was looking for a way to increase traffic on my blog, uh, I mean on my website, because uh, one of the things that Google likes as far as SEO goes is it takes into account how popular uh, your website is. And one of, one of the criteria is the number of people that visit it each month. And so uh, I started the, the blog originally just to increase traffic to my, to my, uh, website. And, um, I started posting every week just to get some content on there. Then every couple of weeks now I do it about, uh, once a month, a new article, but that's because I spend so much time answering questions for people who just have sincere questions. A lot of them just don't really have a very, uh, good understanding of braces and, and my most, my most, um, Popular articles, and they have been for years, are what to ex expect with your child's expander, your child's orthodontic expander. I mean, parents see that hunk of metal in their, in the kid's mouth and they just want to know what, what's going on with this? What do I do? But when you, she's getting a space. Is that right? How do I turn that thing? Number two for the last several years has been dental development. Parents want to know, is my kid normal? Uh, they've only lost eight teeth. Is that the right amount for a 10 year old to have lost? And then number three is, will having permanent teeth ruin your face? And there's well, having the teeth others. extracted, is that what you mean? Yeah, I'm sorry. Having permanent teeth extracted, thank you. Having permanent teeth extracted ruin my face. Everybody talks about those. Those are the three most popular ones, and then there's all kinds of other ones. But what I have found, and this is important, is that I thought that if, if I did this blog, I would have all these visitors to my site and that those would, those would equate or, or become patients of mine. I thought, man, people here in town would search out things, find my blog and say, this is an expert on phrenectomies. I'm going to go and take my child over to him. Right. What I have found, Lance, is that the majority of my patients are not even from the state. 
Most of them are from all over the world. I mean, I, I get people that for, for whom English is their second language. I'm answering questions for people in England and Australia and China and all over. Some from the United States. Uh, so what I would say is, does it really give me new patients? Not directly. I mean, there's some of my, some of my patients have said, yeah, we love your blog. We go on there for answers all the time. But what I think it does more than anything is if you've got a website and you have you know, 1,500 people that go onto your website every month looking for something. And it's sitting next to my website, and I've got 50,000 people that are coming to it. If Google says, okay, in every other way, these two websites are equivalent, they're going to put mine above yours just because the amount of traffic, yeah, according to their algorithm, is saying Dr. Jorgensen's is just a little more authoritative uh, than uh, Dr. Miller's just because... We think that there wouldn't be 50,000 people going unless there was something there good to look at. So I guess what I'd say about my blog is I think the SEO value is great. I think the information, I feel very good providing that for them. It doesn't really bring in a lot of new patients directly, but I think indirectly it helps me rank better. Do you feel like as a blogger you've learned anything about the mindset of orthodontic patients? I mean, I feel like as orthodontists we think about what we do in – our own way, and then people come in with a totally different kind of way of thinking about it. Have, do you feel like you've had any insights on that? You know what, Lance, what I have seen is uh, everything from uh, people who think they know way more than orthodontists, all the way down to people who, you know, wonder, hey, I'm, I'm uh, 15, is it too late for me to get braces? I mean, some of the most simple questions that we have on there. So, I think that one of the things I've learned is that there is a huge range of, of people out there that have dental IQs that are so different. Uh, some people get on there and they're going to have teeth extracted, you know, in two weeks and they're just, they think it's the end of the world. And so I think that it just shows how little information the majority of, of the population has about orthodontic topics. Right. What is the web address of your blog? Uh, if you go to the website, uh, gregjorgensen.com, You'll see a couple links there. First of all, there's a widget in the lower left-hand corner that always has the last three articles that I've written. You can click on any one of those and it'll take you there. Also, there's a blog button, an orange B that's on there. If you want to go directly to it, it's www.gregjorgensen.com forward slash blog. Okay, great. And that's it. I think our audience uh, should go and... Yeah, any, anyone listening should go and check it out. I've been there and I've read some of the articles myself. They're really well written. But I want to throw out here that if someone listening is considering blogging or updating their practice website, stealing content from Greg's website is sleazy and illegal. And because I'm sure well, that must happen to you as well. Is, is be, having been at this as long as I am, there are ways to tell when someone steals content. And um, it's happened to us four times now. And we find out immediately. And um, in in three out of the four cases, I was able to just send a very uh, kind note to them, talking to them about the uh, the dangers of plagiarism and and copyright infringement. In the fourth case, I had my lawyer send them a little note, and all four of them were taken down. Now, what I would love is for everyone to link to my blog because that's a win-win. You, sure. you get the you get the answers for all of your patients. You have the information there. Just make sure that there's a link on there, uh, and it's good for me. Backlinks to my site are great, and the content for your for your site's great. But yeah, I mean the way we've got things set up with Google Alerts and all that. Anybody that copies our content, I I get notified of it. And you know what's really interesting 
is that I have a, a loyal following on there. And if someone is looking for information, for example, about uh, uh, Invisalign attachments and they start reading something I've written, if they come across someone else that's written the exact same thing in the same verbiage, they'll send me a note and say, hey, someone ripped off your, uh, your last article. And uh, I've, had, I've had lots of my readers turn people in. <laughs> That's great. And then you send them a kind note. I love that you said you send them a kind note. I, I, I would be like, that, I don't think I could be that kind. Well, you know what? It, it, it's the information is there to help people. And all I ask is that, you know, share it however you want to, but make sure, uh, you know, give credit where credit's due. It's the right thing. Heaven knows that, you know, anybody that's done a blog knows it takes a lot of time to do yeah. that. And uh, like I said, answering my 10,000th question uh, last month was... Um, uh, that was a milestone, and that I spend a couple hours every Sunday answering the the questions of very sincere people who are looking for information. Great, great. Let's talk for a few minutes about your editorial uh, in the January 2017 AJODO. I'll let you give the background and explain why you think a change is needed with regards to board certification in the United States. I appreciate the opportunity to bring that up because, uh, first of all, uh, I want everybody to know I'm board certified. Um, I got out of school in uh, in '92, got board certified in 2002. One decade later, and I and I always planned on doing it, but as you know, you get busy, and all of a sudden, I looked at this deadline. I thought, well, at that time, they gave you a 10-year window to get it done. So I went to St. Louis. I took my 10 cases. I laid my plaster on the table, and and you know what? It was good for me. I thought it was a great exercise. I think I'm a better orthodontist because of it. I don't think I'm better than the guy down the street, but I think personally myself, I'm better than I would have been if I hadn't done it. Um, when I got out of uh, my residency, uh, way back when, I got involved with the RMSO. I was the editor of the newsletter uh, for a couple of years, and I really got to know some great people, and I got started in, in organized dentistry. And I just remember from those very first meetings, there was always a discussion about the American Board of Orthodontists and our, our director from the RMSO would complain about, oh, it's so hard. We can't get residents to come out of school and take this and the ones that take it never recertify. And it always hovered just below 30%. So less than one out of three orthodontists from 25 years ago even were taking the boards. And then we got a new ABO director. And when I was president of the RMSO, the same story over and over. We can't get anybody to do it. People don't see the value in it. It's, it, it's not accomplishing anything. How can we get people more interested? And then uh, as, as I've been on the board uh, the last six years as the president of New Mexico, every meeting I go to, we talk about, oh, the poor board, we can't get people to take it. Now, it's gone from about 30% to 40% with some of the gateway initiatives and things like that. But Lance, what I see is this. Nothing's changed except the world around us. The world around us has continued to change. The majority of people in public do not know uh, the difference between what an orthodontist does and a dentist who does orthodontics, let alone the difference between an orthodontist and a board-certified orthodontist. So in the last RMSO board meeting, the same argument came up, the same one I've been hearing for 25 years, and all of the uh, information that I've gained from being in our Facebook sites hearing all these really bright orthodontists, orthodontists who treat patients every bit as good as me, who really kind of have disdain for the, for the American Board of Orthodontics because it's a divisive organization right now. And if you don't think it's divisive, 
Go on the ABO website and the first thing that will catch your eye is a banner that says only one out of three orthodontists is board certified. Choose wisely. Yikes. If, if that's not divisive, so, so all of these young, bright, smart orthodontists who are coming out of school now and not getting, and not getting board certified, they're looking at it and they're saying, you know what? I don't care if I'm in the, in the 30 or 40% that are board certified. I've got bills to pay. I've got patients in my practice that don't know the difference between me and the guy that took the weekend course that's down the street. And so we, we talked about it. And so as a, as a RMSO board, we started brainstorming. We said, well, what, what would work? So we started talking about using the American Board of Orthodontics as a vehicle to educate the public. Wonder if everybody who was a residency trained orthodontist came out of school and not only took a written exam, but did some kind of a clinical test. Now, they wouldn't be able to present their own 10 cases like, like I did way back when, but sat down with the, with the examiners and showed that they knew their stuff. And then if every orthodontist who came out of a residency could come out and be certified as a board certified orthodontist, then we could, not only as the AAO, who, who doesn't really have direct ties, but if the AAO said, hey, we recognize board certified orthodontists as those who have graduated from an orthodontic residency and then use some of the clout and the money and the stuff that the AAO has that the ABO doesn't have to join those two forces together and educate the public. That's a win-win. Right. All of a sudden, you got all these orthodontists, every one of us, whether you have taken the boards, you graduated 10 years ago, if you were now board certified and every new one going forward is board certified, that would tell the public, hey, before you get braces on your teeth, before you get your aligners, make sure you're seeing a board-certified orthodontist. So, right I'm, what I, yeah. so what I'm hearing is that you're proposing graduates come out and this certification process is kind of baked into their completing their residency program. It would be just like we do now with dental. When, when you graduate from dental school, you take the national written boards while you're, sti while you're still there. And then when you, when you get done with your dental school program, then you you take the clinical boards, right? You take right. the regional boards. And so it's not it's not a pattern that we'd be making up. What I'm saying is everybody now pretty much when they get out of their orthodontic residency uh, takes the written national boards. And then about 30 to 40% actually go back to St. Louis. But, but wonder if they took the writtens and then after they got, got done with the residency, and during the residency, you'd actually be trained on how to use a little ruler. You'd be trained on, on, on what the irregularity things are and what the scores are. You'd have to, you'd learn how to do all that. And then when you got done with your residency, you showed that you knew your stuff and then you were pronounced a board certified orthodontist. I mean, that's how the medical profession does it. There's, I don't, I don't know of another specialty. Uh, I don't think that a heart surgeon comes out of their residency and then goes out and does heart surgeries for 10 years and then takes back 10 cases to show how they did their heart surgeries. Right. I, so what I'm proposing is that you get done with your residency and then you ha have a written board and you have a clinical board. And, you know, let's imagine that you have the clinical board. They come in and they've got five sets of either digital or 3D printed models of pre-treated cases and five of post-treated cases. You evaluate those. You talk about, you know, they, then they quiz you over them. They say, you know, what are the things about this case? You, you indicated here you would not extract teeth in this case. You know, tell us why. What were the things that made, uh, that made you think that way? And then I guess there's some sort of amnesty for all those people like me who are not board certified. That's the hardest part for the board 
the current uh, board and a lot of board certified orthodontists, that's the hard part for them to swallow, is that if you grandfathered in all of the former graduates of residency programs, they're thinking, well, that cheapens everything. But Lance, if, if we're going to have it mean anything, we'd have to do that. We would have to allow those people, like you, you're one of those people, mm-hmm. um, to, to be board certified. You graduated from a residency program just like I did. And you know what would be the next step is, I'm not going to say it's like the gateway, you'd have to keep doing that, but it's a, two, a two-prong approach. One is grant board certification, and then like every three years, have some kind of a continuing education uh, requirement or something, just like we do with our dental licenses. Every three years, I have to show proof that I had 60 hours of, of continuing education to get my dental license recertified. We could do the same thing with orthodontics, but yeah, I think that we're going to have to have everybody. In that way, we can make the case that, hey, every residency-trained orthodontist is board certified. That's how you'll know the difference between someone that was trained in a residency and that someone that was trained in that online progressive orthodontics course or someone who was trained by going to some weekend courses three times a year. We want to distinguish ourselves. And if we use the ABO as the testing mechanism, as the certifying uh, authority, we can then go out and present to everybody is, you know, if your orthodontist is ABO certified, then you can be sure that he graduated from a CODA certified program and has shown the board that he knows uh, how to treat cases like your kids. I don't have all the answers, but I think that what we want to do is rather than let the ABO become completely irrelevant because the public doesn't understand it, let's use it. Let's get these really good doctors who are working as directors and as examiners to uh, just to shift gears a little bit and say, okay, the world's changed around us. Let's change. Let's help save the profession with the organization we already have uh, organized. Yeah. And and Greg, the fact that you were able to publish this in the AJODO and not just like in a Facebook group full of angry orthodontists uh, makes me think that there must be a little bit of a chance that this idea gains some traction among parties that could actually make it happen. Well, I, I would, you know, I want to thank uh, Dr. Barrett's for uh, accepting the, the guest editorial. You know, there's, there's a lot of strong feelings about this on both sides. And I thought it was funny when he got my guest editorial, he and I talked and he says, now I know you're a big boy, but you know, this is going to put a target on your back. And I said, you know what? I said, I'm willing to do that. I am a big boy. And I said, I have been to just one too many board meetings now where we have made no progress. Now, yeah, there's been some incremental progress over the last uh, maybe decade, but Lance, the, the forces that be on the other side of the aisle they are moving forward full steam ahead. Uh, you know, Smile, Direct Club, even, I mean, I use Invisalign and like it, but Invisalign with the general dentists, all of those kinds of things, the six-month smiles out there, and I'm sure there's going to be more and more and more. They are gaining traction, and if we don't get on this and we don't get something moving, we're going to sit around. The ABO is going to be a good old boys club with 30% of us getting together once a year to show plaster models, and that's not going to help the profession. Do you have a sense of if a listener to the podcast thinks this is a great idea like I do, what we could do to move this forward? What are the mechanics of supporting or standing behind this proposal? Well, I I would say that one of the most important things you can do is um, if you are either involved 
on your constituency level, uh, like on a state level, or on a regional level, like the, uh, you know, Southern Association or the Southwest Association or the PCSO or something like that. If you know anybody on, that serves on those committees, that serves in the House of Delegates, you need to just let them know, hey, you think, and, and you don't have to say Greg Jorgensen's idea. You say, you know what? I really do think that the American Board of Orthodontics can be some, can become something in tandem with the AAO that could really benefit all of us. And just let them know that you are uh, in favor of that. Now, we're going to be working on some type of resolution coming up uh, that we want to present to the House of Delegates at the AAO meeting in San Diego. And if there's any way to, to let your uh, some of the people you know who are maybe delegates or who, who are um, the trustees or whatever, if you're, if the head of your department uh, where you went to school is any way associated with the AAO, just let them know, hey, we really think this is a good idea. We think that some version of a change with the ABO that would help all orthodontists and help the profession and unify us rather than divide us is a good idea. I think that's the most important thing we can do. I agree. And the, the concept of unification to me is, is so appealing. The thought that we could be working together. I think there should be some rigor and I'm not opposed to that. I, I think high standards are, are wonderful and I'm, I haven't ruled out the possibility of getting board certified under the current system. But you know, like I think the point that you're making that we're in this environment where if we could join together, if we could find a way to make it something to bring us together rather than to distinguish between us, I think that would be huge for our profession. Well, that was, those were the thoughts of the, the uh, Rocky Mountain uh, Board of Directors. And, you know, I put a voice to it and I, I tested the waters. I had several people look over what I was proposing and got some great ideas from educators who are going to be involved in this. Got some other ideas from members of the actual uh, American Board of Orthodontics um, uh, directors right now. And just from talking to, to uh, doctors like you who, who, you know, are thinking, maybe I'll do it, maybe I won't. And we all threw all our ideas together, and I was willing to stick my neck out on the line. And, and uh, you know, it's been a good thing. I would say, seriously, 98% positive is what I've experienced. I have received calls from uh, department heads and chairs and people. They're saying, you know what, I can't really write a letter to the editor and, and support you, but I wanted to let you know that was a great idea. I'm behind you. And uh, I, I think that if this exactly doesn't pass, something needs to happen because if we don't change, you know, we, one of the other things that came up at the PCSO meeting that I spoke at this last weekend was that there are three other uh, boards who are uh, who certified orthodont or dentists who do orthodontics, three other certifying boards who are right now trying to petition um, at the new specialty organization that was just formed um, to, to become board certified. They want to be recognized as a specialty if they've done their training. Can you imagine if we're competing with uh, orthodontic boards that are formed and made up of GPs, we <laughs> got to take the bull by the horns and we got to get ours out there and we got to make ours the best and the most well-known before that happens. Yeah, fantastic. Well, I want to wrap up with this. Uh, maybe we'll change gears a little bit here. Is there something that you're doing new in your practice uh, or in your personal life in 2017 that's really working out for you or making a difference that you'd want to share with our listeners? You know what? Um, I think that it's really important to give all that you've got when you're at the office and uh, if you go home and make care calls and stuff like that. But you got to have a little outlet too. You got to have a little fun. And you mentioned a couple of things that uh, 
um, that, that I do. I love to scuba dive. Uh, I, I took up bowling just about four years ago and, uh, I've, I've peaked at 290. Wow. And, uh, this year, this year's going to be the year, Lance. And when I, uh, when I get that 300, you'll see it on my Facebook, uh, <laughs> on my Facebook site. But, you know, I just would say to everybody, work as hard as you can, give your patients everything you can, but find something else. Find something in your life besides your orthodontic profession, besides your orthodontic practice. Find some things that you love to do with your family. Find some things you love to do with your parents. Find some things that you love to do with your community and kind of have a balanced life. I, I, my goal is when I turn the practice over to my son and I retire, I want to have some place that I enjoy going just as much as here. I don't know if that's going to be uh, Cozumel or if that's going to be the bowling alley or if that's going to be, you know, something new. I don't know. Maybe I'll go, finally go on tour with Sticks or Aerosmith or something like that playing keyboards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> great, great. Greg, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Uh, it's been wonderful having you. I hope we get to meet up again soon in person. If people want to get a hold of you, what's the best way to reach you? Absolute best way is to send me an email. It's just drj, drj at gregjorgensen.com. Perfect. Perfect. And, and you'll also be in our Facebook group uh, online for the Elevate Orthodontics podcast if people want to maybe ask you a follow-up question there. Yeah, that's no problem. Anybody on this, on this uh, webcast can uh, direct message me there, um, and I, I will be as helpful as I can be. Perfect. Thanks again. Have a great night. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in for another episode. I thought that was a fantastic interview and I want to thank Dr. Jorgensen for coming on. Go online, check out his blog at gregjorgensen.com slash blog. It's pretty fascinating and there's a lot of great articles. Uh, I think some of the language that he uses is really appropriate for patients and he speaks to them at a level that they understand. I'd also encourage you to take this survey that the ABO has out there. Again, www.surveymonkey.com slash r slash ABO certification. Weigh in and let your voice be heard. Hope you're having a great week. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening to the Elevate Orthodontics podcast. For more episodes, subscribe on iTunes or visit our website at elevateorthopodcast.com. Tune in next week for another great episode.